Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the Cold Chain Podcast. I'm Shane Brennan, Chief Executive of the Cold Chain Federation. I'm so pleased with the response we've had so far to this little project. I'm very aware that there are so many new podcasts cropping up and people have people that have 20 minutes free time are more than likely to want to fill it with that Peter Crouch podcast or the News Quiz or something. Both great podcasts by the way. However, the great thing about this platform is it allows us to focus in on niche and specialist interests. So click the button, subscribe, and make sure that our programs are in your feed to listen in whenever it suits you. Over this and coming episodes, I get to talk to the people that run, own, and influence the UK cold chain. I find these conversations fascinating. I learn so much from them, whether you, like me, you are a relatively new temperature control logistics, or like my guest today, you've been in it for a lifetime. I hope there is something in it for you. So, on to my guest. I'm sat here now in Oswestry in the office of James Woodward, the Managing Director of Coldmove. Hello, James. Hi, Shane. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, so, you're my latest uh, interviewee in the, in the, in the podcast. Um, can you just start by telling us a little bit about um, Coldmove as a business? Right, Coldmove. Um, we started back in the uh, 50s, my grandfather as a a wholesaling business actually um, and developed um, distribution to pubs and restaurants um, throughout a regional area sort of 60 or 70 miles um, ventured into third party uh, public cold storage in the late 70s um, and extended that business with a relationship with the old quick save business um, and actually run a third party distribution site uh, we decided to build a second site up at Goldbourne near Warrington, uh, late 90s, to further develop our, our third party business. Uh, with the demise of QuickSave um, and then Summerfield uh, thereafter, uh, our distribution site went. Um, we sold our third party Woodward Food business also in the late 90s. And so from about 2003 and four, our business was third party, focused across two sites. Predominantly, our Goldbourne site was a, a, a consolidation storage and distribution site to the retail and wholesale trade. And Ozustry was a tier below that. We were a value-added site, blast freezing, looking after the raw materials going back into to, uh, uh, our, our customers. And, and from your personal perspective, obviously, so the business started by your dad, uh, grandfather, by your grandfather. Yeah. So, how, how what's your personal sort of sort of broad outline of how you've been got involved in temperature control and different roles you've done? Okay. Well, I went to university, um, did, a co- did a course in uh, business and finance, and out of that, I came into our business and started in our IT department. Um, I did have stints from the age of fifteen in the cold store. Um, learning the, the, the warehouse activities but my first full-time role was at a university for about 18 months in our, uh, our IT department. I then ventured into our wholesale business um, for four, four and a half years I was out on the road selling, knocking on doors um, and then my first sort of venture into what is our business now third party, our old business which was called Shropshire Cold Storage um, as it was, um, which is gosh now 20 plus years ago, um, I started as the ops manager there and then I developed through um, 
through through the business to MD um, sort of ten or twelve years ago. So you got to serve a proper apprenticeship then. Absolutely. Um, and I think most good family businesses operate that way, don't they? They they don't want people who can take over the business to just go in at the top. It doesn't work that way. You have to sort of make sure you've understand it and done different roles in the company. Yes, it was. I mean, it was a it was great to go through all areas of the business and and understand it. Um, was the right way to do it, and um, um, you know, I think I'd now and again surprise one or two of the younger ones that I do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's a bit less important for credibility reasons, nothing else, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, so over that span, the temperature control logistics industry has changed quite a lot. Um, how would um, how, what would you say are the main sort of things that are different about today compared to say 15, 20 years ago? Well, I mean, cr- crikey, the the, the the biggest change has really been the consolidation in the industry, uh, uh, ourselves included. Uh, we, we sold our retail consult, um, wholesale consolidation site at uh, Warrington, sort of end of 2016. Um, but that, that, I mean, I go back sort of 20 years and there were numerous family businesses. Um, there were one or two large players. Um, those large players have become a lot more prevalent as um, as buyouts have, have um, gone along. And do you see that as a threatening thing? Um, no. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, like any 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 change is as good and bad. Um, for our business, uh, we've consolidated to our sort of. What, what I call our raw material value added and, and, and really focused on, on, on that element. Um, in consolidation, obviously, it's a mixed bag, um, particularly the, the, the sites that are around the UK. We have a very, very broad range um, from the old original well, sites from sort of 50s, 60s brick buildings to very modern automated stores that yeah consolidation hasn't meant homo- homogenization has it we actually we've got to think we've got more diverse and there's more options out there and more services being provided by temperature controlled businesses thinking specifically about small businesses obviously you run a you run a small business now actually it's probably got smaller than it has been in the past Absolutely, for yeah. clear business reasons um what do you think a small business brings to its customers that some of the bigger businesses can't well, I think, and I, I'll touch on what we, you know, specifically what we do, um, which is the raw material end of the market. Generally, you see, I mean, we see some of our customers' product we might handle three, four times in the cycle um, at case level. Um, and when you, when, you know, when I look at what we did at our Goldborn site was a distributor, we could not manage that business through there. The uniformity of pallets coming into the site um etc etc the 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 modern sites automated sites it's very difficult to manage and very costly to manage that sort of product through it whereas we we love complexity um we there's value in complexity and there's value in it absolutely um it's it's uh, it's harder it's more labor intensive but um, there are the rewards for it as well. And how do you um, find the staff, maintain the staff, motivate the staff to do that kind of complex, fiddly, it's not fiddly, it's probably the wrong word, uh, kind of work 
Um, how do you how do you sort of deal with that problem? Well, we've we've got um, a very localized workforce. Um, Quite long-standing as well. Yes, indeed. Um, many many staff members, fifteen twenty years. Uh, that's not always a good thing, but um, we're 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 very personable business, um, and you know we train our staff well, um, and we look after them. And I think a combination of that, good processes, good procedures, good standards. Um, there's no one thing; it's a combination. Um, uh, but very much our culture is is an important factor. Yeah. Um, and one thing about, about you, James, is obviously you, you run the cold move business, but you also have other business interests as well. And one of which, most notably, is the hotel you run in Oswestry. Street. How do you sort of get your mind to gear to be able to one minute run a temperature control logistics business, on the other hand, then run a customer service hotel business? They are different businesses. We are dealing in food at the hotel as well. But um, fundamentally, the, the principles of management and um, some of the core activities and structures you have in place are, are very similar in both businesses. But in both businesses, it's all about people and having the right people around you. Um, the cold move business, as I say, I've got some long-standing employees um, at key levels as well so the relationships and trust is, is, is there and through several years of coaching and development I've got a team that I trust uh, that are capable um, that allows me some time to spend at the hotel and other interests um, and therefore you know as I said before, the, 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 the fundamentals of management are similar. It's just the intricacies that, that differ. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And actually, I think there's much benefit from having that kind of wide view there is of being focusing on one. Um, I guess one thing that's consistent between the two businesses, the hotel business and a temperature control business, is the customers. And I know that you've got some really quite long-standing relationships with some of the customers you've got here. How do you foster a really good relationship with customers in, in, in our business? Well, again, I go back to our family value, the family values, and uh, it's the personal side. Um, you know, I get involved with um, customers at different levels um, personally, but right the way through, from myself down to the customer service teams, um, we very much have a, a core ethos. What makes a good, great customer relationship? Um, being honest, truthful, being um, being able to say no. There are certain things that we we can can do and can't do. Um, we're very much a business that will under promise, over achieve, um, and you know at times we we definitely bat above our weight. But it's that personable element. But I mean, very much from a philosophy going back several years, it's. Uh, I've tried to introduce into the business, let me say, PLC process, good practice, good process, um, and standards, but being able to maintain the family values and core values of what a family business brings. Um, so a combination of those has worked very powerfully for us. So not asking specifically about your own customers, but thinking about customers of the cold chain generally, do you think there's enough understanding of the sorts of challenges that we have today and we're going to have over coming years 
in um, in meeting the increasing demands of increased energy costs, increased fuel costs, the sustainability challenges that we see in the culture. Do you think a, do you think we need that we're in the right place right now in terms of shared awareness of those sorts of problems? Probably not. Um, one one change that probably I didn't allude to um, earlier earlier in the discussion was about the change on who we actually speak to. Um, 20 years ago, it would always be the logistics guys. Um, we would always negotiate with the logistics guys who obviously have an understanding of what we do. Um, more and more, certainly with larger contracts, it's been moved over to buying departments and those buyers here today, gone tomorrow, they're not necessarily there. There is less of an understanding of the, the logistics chain. Um, and that is definitely more prevalent in the industry and, 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 and who, who you actually deal with. So you're, you're battling against the, the logistic guys that do generally have an understanding of the, of the supply chain and the buyers who are there to get the very best deal, um, and understandably, but don't always understand some of the credentials that sit behind it. The, you know, the value of BRC accreditation at the highest level and the, 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 those standards that you are expected. Unfortunately for businesses, sometimes it's only when things go wrong that they realise actually there's some value and some and some value in, in, in working with the best and working with those mm-hmm. that are working to the right sorts of standards. Um, I guess one of the things that sort of strikes me from sort of talking to some of the other businesses around the industry over the last year and a half is there is probably a slightly growing awareness of the importance of logistics, partly because the Brexit conversation for the last two years has been about the importance of logistics and the threat of disruption. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, yeah. And I guess the other th- dynamic is that um, we're probably victims of our own success over the past 20 years and that people can just rely on logistics to basically do the job and they can sort of shift around between different players. Partly the Brexit dimension, partly the growing demand and growing capacity in the market mean that actually there is more of a tightening of availability of uh, space. Do you think we can really harness that opportunity as an industry, um, talking into the customer base about the importance of long-term value in logistics operations? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you're definitely right. The last 12 months with Brexit and the discussions around climate change, um, in gosh, and even in the last six months, um, have become a lot more public. Um, and so, yes, they're, they're, they're in, in the very recent times, there's, there's probably a little bit more understanding by the general public. Um, is, that, is that fundamentally is, different, would you say, James, to the natural cycle of things that, you know, there's an overcapacity issue and a complacency in the, in the customer base that suddenly there's a, something that then dips and then everything picks back up again. It's an ongoing cycle. Or do you think things are genuinely different right now? I think we've seen these cycles over the last 20 years. Um, uh, Capacity issues, but I think again, another, another, uh, another change in the food manufacturing has been the freezing of product more, more of it. Um, Product that would be traditionally um, chilled, maybe around seasonal activity. Um, And if you, if, we see the, in the supermarkets there's a lot more seasonal activity um, around Christmas, Valentine's, Mother's Days and promotions that fall around that. And the manufacturers can't produce chilled or, or fresh items 
to the levels of, 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 of the capacity that's required. Um, and therefore, we, we, we've definitely seen the shift towards um, more of a frozen freeze-thaw product um, in the marketplace. Yeah, and I think that's uh, the, the environmental benefits of that. The, the positive story that goes behind that is something that actually we're not doing enough to communicate to the customer right now. I think it's moving in the right direction. I think we need to push that push that on, I would, I would say. Just to, then to sort of wrap up, sort of, I, my sort of indulgence at the end of all these conversations is really talking to you about the Federation. Now, you're someone who's been involved in the leadership of the Cold Chain Federation as it is now in its different guises for quite a few years. Um, what do you think the importance, why do you do it? Why do you take time out of your day, of your week, or your month to, to get involved in Federation activities? Okay, well, I, I go back sort of at least 20 years when, just longer than when I, I very first got involved with the Federation. Um, my grandfather previously had been involved. Um, and I personally took it on myself to be a learning curve um, to start with. In the, in, well, not to start with and continue with. Um, it's a good forum for that discussion. The, the, the Federation is very much about us, the logistics industry, uh, and, and what we do. Um, we've gone through varying periods of uh, of change. Different strategy, different identity. Yeah. Um, as and, and that's been alongside the membership as well, uh, whereby, you know, this consolidation has happened over, over many years. Uh, we've had... Um, I'm just trying to think. Three, three um, chief executives in that, in probably in that period. You're the last of that, that, that or the current. And the incumbent. The, current, the incumbent. Yeah. And, and and I think pro- over those years, we've seen the federation get more professional, uh, more focused, um, and I would say no more, more so than than we are now. Yeah. And I know, and for the benefit of listeners, James has been very much involved in the board of the Federation over the last 18 months, key part of the decision-making around the, adopting the new identity and very much part of the plans we have for the next few years. And I think we're pretty, we're, you know, I think as a collective, we're very optimistic and excited about the future and what we've got what to bring. James, thank you very much for that. That's fantastic um, insights and conversation. So there we are. That's episode three in the can. Thanks for listening in. I'm working hard to line up some great speakers in coming weeks. Interviews lined up include John Miles at Newcold and Nick Hay at Fowler Welsh. So make sure you subscribe on your Apple or Android podcast app and tell your friends to subscribe too. Also look out for the other ways to engage with your federation. Our Cold Chain Connect webinar series is a great resource for knowledge on a range of topics. Coming up our sessions on the budget, on its impact on the cold chain, tackling food waste with the Waste Resources Action Project and a fascinating session where we will compare and contrast the challenges of running a pharmaceutical cold chain with running a food cold chain with Henry Moran of ASC Logistics. Also a final plug, tickets are on sale for all our excellent 2020 events, our annual lunch in May, our Cold Chain Energy Summit in June and our Cold Chain Live uh, Conference in September. Check out more details about all of this on the website www.coldchainfederation.org.uk. Have a great day. Thank you very much.